Oria. I'm your host, Dr. Dave. Thanks for joining me today. Um, today, we're going to talk about um, health disparities, specifically relating to the COVID-19 pandemic. We are in the midst of our pandemic today in that we are having an overwhelming amount of people who are succumbing to um, COVID-19. But more importantly, here in Cook County, um, Chicago, Illinois, we are seeing an overwhelmingly disproportionate amount of African-Americans and um, individuals of color um, dying from COVID-19 at an alarming rate um, comparatively to other minority populations and other um, racial groups as well. And today I want to discuss and talk to um, a social epidemiologist about this alarming statistic um, that's quite frightening. Um, we know um, that this issue is starting to be highlighted, uh, especially in the media too. Um, our mayor, Lori Lightfoot, um, just spoke recently um, to talk about this very issue, that um, 72% of all the people who are dying here in Cook County, Illinois, are African-Americans, where African-Americans only comprise um, 30% of the population. So we need to talk about why this is happening. Um, Mayor Lightfoot created the Racial Equity Rapid Response Team that's going to be um, implemented here uh, in, in Cook County that's going to be comprised of health officials, um, faith leaders, community leaders, too, to not only collect this data, because that's really what's the most important, is collecting the data and to understand why these communities um, and, and people of color, specifically African-Americans and Latinos, are dying disproportionately more. Yes, we have already known that communities like in Cook County um, that are comprised of African-Americans really are affected by um, chronic conditions like high blood pressure, diabetes, chronic lung issues, and that we know that these conditions can um, set an individual up for having a very severe course of COVID-19 and that their outcomes are um, poor, that they end up in intensive care units and on ventilators, and they end up succumbing to this illness because of their pre-existing conditions. So we already knew that communities, poor communities in, of lower socioeconomic groups have more chronic conditions. There is a difficulty in terms of access to healthcare. There's a difficulty in terms of managing these conditions. There's a difficulty in terms of access to healthy foods. And therefore, these communities are um, overwhelmed by these chronic conditions and they end up having poor health outcomes. The COVID-19 pandemic essentially highlights these disparities that we already knew. And we're seeing this now as we are collecting initial data from these groups um, of, of individuals that blacks and Latinos are dying at a disproportionately higher rate. 
So we're going to talk about this today um, with Dr. Kiari Kershaw. She is uh, uh, an associate professor of uh, preventive medicine at Northwestern Feinberg School of Medicine. And today she's going to join us um, to discuss these um, alarming statistics and what we can do to address this. We are uh, very graciously um, joined today by Dr. Kiari Kershaw. Uh, She's an associate professor of preventive medicine at Northwestern Medicine Feinberg School of Medicine. She focuses on understanding the contributions of various aspects of the social environment on health, including social relationships, psychosocial stressors, and neighborhood conditions and resources. So thank you for joining us, Dr. Kershaw. Thanks for having me. Um, what we want to start off discussing today in Cook County here in uh, Chicago, Illinois, we are seeing a disturbing trend in the COVID-19 mortality rate. Um, African Americans and Latinos are dying at disproportionately higher rates compared to other racial groups. And we would want, uh, could you help us, you know, understand this alarming statistic? Yeah. Um, So I think there are a lot of things that could explain these findings, and many of them are related to the social and economic conditions that African-Americans live in in Cook County, and particularly in Chicago. Um, So one, African-Americans are more likely to have conditions that put them at higher risk of dying from when infected from COVID-19, like hypertension, diabetes, and asthma. Um, but my research group and others have shown that those conditions are also kind of socially patterned. Um, so the um, Chicago, Chicago, as people know, in Cook County, um, is very racially segregated, and the segregation drives the distribution of a lot of important resources and opportunities that can protect or enhance our risk for getting certain diseases. And this is true for chronic diseases like uh, cardiovascular disease, hypertension, um, diabetes, but it's also true for infectious diseases. So you think about the things that um, are affected by where you live, like the school that you go to, that you went to as a child and that your kids then go to and you're that affects your potential earning potential and your access to health care and then resources that can um, promote healthy eating or um, physical activity, um, crime. There's, there are a variety, of, like a wide array of, of these different exposures. So the things that we've seen for a long time and recognized as driving cardiovascular disease and respiratory disease disparities are also kind of emerging here with COVID-19. Um, and then the other thing, and I think, it's African-Americans are more likely to be exposed to COVID-19 in part because of the jobs that they often have and um, like uh, service service sector jobs where um, they're still considered essential workers um, and until recently hadn't been kind of and still a problem, but hadn't been protected well from exposure to disease in their day-to-day job and really don't have the opportunity to kind of not go to work um, or to avoid those kind of exposures. And then on top of that, they were less likely to be tested when they went to uh, the clinic and thought they had um, COVID-19 because they didn't get a certain profile in terms of like international travel um, that would, would make people think that they were exposed. So um, they would be sent home even if they had symptoms. And um, it's hard to self-isolate without a diagnosis of COVID-19, especially in those jobs which don't have um, sick pay. And then um, and then even sick pay won't uh, cover self-isolation if you don't have COVID-19. Um, but then if, even if you do, it's hard to 
take off from work when you need those paychecks. So um, a lot of compounding issues around poverty and um, systemic inequality in our kind of society are driving these uh, uh, statistics that we're seeing. So let's talk about, you know, the mitigation efforts, because we know that physical distancing is working in terms of flattening our curve, and it's extremely important to help prevent the spread of COVID-19. How in these lower socioeconomic groups in African-Americans, let's say if they have large household numbers or they're relying on public transportation to take to get to their jobs, how do we address this issue um, both in the near term as we try to flatten our curve for these groups of people? Yeah, it's a tough one. I mean, I think the the basic things like the frequent hand washing um, is is something that I, is vitally important. There, keeping surfaces clean, not sharing utensils, and um, things like that can can do some to help. I think the now when more and more people are wearing masks, kind of to protect each other, um, can help on on um, subways and riding public transit, um, but. Uh, also, in the long term, just kind of having protections in place that allow people to um, be distanced and doing things like self-isolating if they do feel sick so that we aren't spreading it when we when people go out. Um, right now, if there's a fear that you will not be paid or cannot really afford to um, uh, self-isolate, um, it, it really keeps people from doing that and helps kind of spread that disease. So let, let's talk about the overwhelming mortality rate and how we do know that, you know, pre-existing conditions can really contribute to an adverse outcome, both in the morbidity of it and the severity of it, but also, you know, people dying from this. And as we look in African-American communities, your expertise in terms of cardiovascular diseases, high blood pressure, high cholesterol, diabetes, these chronic illnesses within the African-American community, both on the near term, but also in the long term too, surrounding COVID-19, how can we, how can we aggressively tackle these comorbid issues as we treat the disease too as well within these populations? Um, well, I mean, I think there are a few things. So, I guess really, let me just clarify. You mean addressing the cardiovascular disease, but also addressing? Right, simultaneously, because we know, we know that these, you know, these groups of people, in terms of their access to healthcare, as well as surrounding their pre-existing conditions, if they do, uh, unfortunately, get COVID-19, um, they're prognostically, if we look at them, it may be, uh, they're, they're at more at risk for, um, you know, adverse outcomes, whether it be um, ICU admissions or you know, as well as affecting, you know, family members in terms of mitigation efforts. What can we do in the near term to help, um, you know, bend that curve even more in these groups of people? Yeah, no, I, I, I think there are kind of a lot of long term. I mean, I think this sheds light on something that's been a problem in a long time for a long time, right? These kind of structural um, inequalities that have been driving these conditions, these cardiovascular diseases, and now COVID as it emerges. Um, so, I mean, 
I think for the best kind of long-term change, it's addressing poverty, housing inequality, um, access to care. Uh, these are these are the big hard things that we've been kind of describing but not addressing for a long time, right? Absolutely. That, that yeah. need to just because any disease that kind of emerges, we'll see these disparities emerge shortly after. And that's that's the problem, right? Because we're not addressing these root causes. Um, but I think in, in um, the shorter term, um, I think documenting and understanding who's vulnerable so that we have kind of plans in place when it uh, I mean, hopefully this doesn't happen again, but when there are these kind of big national emergencies or pandemics, uh, we expand our definition of who's vulnerable so that we have targeted policies in place for minority populations, African-Americans, Latinos who are emerging as being at high risk of COVID-19, even though this isn't surprising given these structural inequalities, it still seems to have caught people off guard. Um, And so having targeted policies and um, outreach strategies in place to kind of um, to kind of bend that curve in that in those targeted populations. I think this like population-wide strategy of okay, everybody wash your hands and now wear masks and do this is helpful, but it needs to be coupled with targeted efforts for a more vulnerable groups, lower income and minority populations. Completely agree, and I think you know it's one thing to have a task force, you know, and to have these sort of committees. Um, but it's another thing to implement policy change and diverting, you know, both federal and state and local resources to these at-risk communities. For example, you know, it's one thing to have major academic institutions, you know, in these at-risk areas. But however, a lot of the population relies upon community clinics and smaller hospitals. And some of these and the vast majority of these hospitals don't have the resources to not only treat, it, especially during in a pandemic, if there's a mass amount of patients who come in who need, you know, high complex care, it's sometimes it can be very overwhelming to them. Absolutely. Yeah. I think that diverting of resources and I hope, yeah, this is something that will um, spark those policy changes as opposed to another thing that we kind of check off in the long list of disparities that exist um, for these conditions. Absolutely. You know, our mayor, Lori Lightfoot, uh, you know, was uh, about a week ago addressed considering that African-Americans, from what I read just recently, comprise 72% of the people dying from COVID-19 when, you know, African-Americans represent about 30% of the population here in Cook County. And so she came and came forward and and created a a racial equity rapid response team um, comprised of, you know, healthcare leaders, community leaders, faith leaders, and whatnot um, to address not only collecting the data that needs to be collected for COVID-19 if we're testing at a large center. Walk us through in terms of how important that is, collecting this data and how we can use this data to um, you know, create better policy in terms, of, uh, in terms of addressing these health disparities. Yeah, I mean, I think knowing these numbers, because a lot of states right now don't report um, COVID cases by by race or um, or by these kind of other community indicators that would would help people understand who is most vulnerable. I think the idea of a data driven approach to trying to understand um, who um, needs these resources is important, just like the census, right? I mean, this helps us decide where the how resources should be allocated. 
and not just kind of on how we, I guess, our, our feelings about it. I mean, because I think a lot of people who do the kind of research I do would have guessed that this would have happened, but you need the data to kind of really validate what's going on and how you should allocate these resources hopefully now so that in the future we aren't left kind of flat-footed with these kind of um, inequities. But I think I think that the data are really most important so that we can um, use an evidence-based approach to de- developing policy. Um, too many times we've done it by what people think they know and, and this gives us a better um, leg to stand on when we're trying to kind of make a more comprehensive set of policies. Um, and it's social policies and healthcare policies. So I think this will give us better evidence to kind of support that. Yes. And I think also too, as we navigate both health uncertainties, but also economic uncertainties, these, um, you know, as people are losing their jobs and, um, you know, having already difficulty getting access to not only healthcare, but to food and to other essential, you know, resources, um, this is going to be important, not only now, but um, as we go forward. Uh, finally, take us through in terms of how, what, what sort of framework would you put in place um, right now, not only during a pandemic, to help on a, on a, uh, on a more macro level, right, in, in these sort of communities, uh, both in, let's say, six months in terms of access to their care but also um, helping them with, um, you know, these essential resources that they're going to need, such as food, shelter. What, what sort of framework would, we, would you recommend putting in place now? Yeah, I mean, I think the, the most important kind of proximal things are getting people access to food. So things like they're doing with um, Wrigley Field now, I think they're turning it into a um, a food depository area where people can come and get food that they need. I think it has to happen on an even larger scale than it has right now. But hopefully by um, giving all these resources to these kind of social services organizations now, that we'll be able to find a way to sustain it because some of these things were problems before um, COVID-19 and will continue to be problems in the next six months. So I think starting out, people just need these resources and now, and, you know, things like they're doing with the utility, um, not shutting off utilities and, and things like that. So kind of stopping the bleeding. And then um, on a long-term level, I do think given we have a limited set of resources, we really need to get creative with some kind of cross-sector um, type of policies that um, can can give people, I guess, because a lot of these things are not in just one domain, you know, so I think that we need to find ways to um, make sure that people get a variety of the kind of social and economic services they need. I don't know exactly what that looks like, um, but I think a lot of times when we think of health, we think of healthcare and we think of, you know, the economy, we think of jobs, but um, but I think it needs to be jobs, housing, um, food, security, um, and if there's a way to kind of bridge the gaps across those, those groups of people who are working in those sectors, it'll be probably more cost effective because the same people will need all of those things. I don't know if that makes no, sense. No, I, I absolutely agree with you. I think that the, 
the African-American, Latino, and minority communities, especially here in Chicago, have already been, um, you know, suffering in terms of these health disparities and chronic conditions. And, and that's contributed to just this difficult, um, you know, ability to access health care, which is even more exacerbated during a pandemic. And I think yeah. that that's one of the goals that we wanted to highlight is the fact that, look, these problems have, all, have, all, have been there for quite some time and that res resources need to be diverted there. And this pandemic only highlights, um, you know, the, the disproportionate amount of mortality that we're seeing with COVID-19 in these groups of people. Yeah. Um, we thank you, Dr. Kershaw, for your time. Uh, Dr. Kiari Kershaw is the Associate Professor of Preventive Medicine. She specializes in uh, researching. Uh, she's a social, uh, social epidemiologist who researches focused on understanding and the, the contributions of various aspects of social environment on health. We really appreciate you talking with us today uh, about COVID-19 and how it's affecting these populations. It's something that we really need to highlight. And hopefully with the collection of data that we get from this, uh, we can really spearhead new policy to divert resources in these at-risk communities. So thank you, Dr. Kershaw. Thank you so much for having me. I really appreciate it. Thank you. Special thanks to Dr. Kiari Kershaw today for um, joining us to discuss the health disparities between um, African-Americans and Latinos and why they're uh, disproportionately affected by COVID-19 and that they're dying at a, a much greater rate than other racial groups. We appreciate her time and um, wanted to uh, highlight these these issues that are extremely important, not only to our local community here, at, here in Cook County, Chicago, but also um, as we would expect in other areas throughout the United States that um, African-Americans and Latinos are... Uh, tremendously at risk um, for dying of COVID-19, uh, not only because of their access to health care, um, but also because of their chronic conditions that are that they're um, you know dealing with, that that really puts them at risk from dying of COVID-19. So, thank you to Dr. Kershaw for discussing these extremely important issues and um, and how we're going to have to focus on these as we go forward um, during not only the COVID-19 pandemic, but assessing, um, you know, the impacts of this as well as, you know, gearing future policy um, towards helping these uh, groups of people too as well. So thank you. Um, we appreciate you uh, listening in today and um, encourage you to reach out to us. If you have any questions or concerns, you can tweet us at Dr. Dave on call, uh, email us at hello at Dr. Dave on call.com. You can even call us 877 Dr. Dave5. Appreciate you tuning in and uh, look forward to seeing you on our next episode. Uh, remember to stay uh, safe and healthy. Take care.